Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for for joining me today. I do appreciate it, as always. And, uh, yeah, I got beat up today. Today I got beat up. I went went to jiu-jitsu, and uh, I had five matches, and um, I won one of five. And how, how we did it was super fight style. So basically started from standing and, uh, you know, fought tournament style until submission or until basically a kill. So if you know nothing about jujitsu, it's, it's like practicing murder, consensual murder. And, um, yeah, I got murdered four times today and only got to murder one person. Uh, so tough day at the office. Still happy I went though. I learned, uh, this is for the, for the possible jujitsu listeners uh, out there. I learned, a a bread cutter paper or a paper cutter from North South. Um, it got done to me and then, uh, I was curious how, how it happened. So learned a pretty decent setup and, uh, and a nice submission. So hopefully I get to hit it. I'll keep you guys updated on that. If I get to catch it, you know, catch the submission. And, you know, I noticed like losing, you know, going 0-3 to start out. And, uh, you know, here's what I've noticed about about jujitsu. So I've been practicing now since 2000 and uh, 2014. I started in Thailand. And, uh, I've been keeping up with it ever since some years I went, you know, pretty hard. Uh, when I lived in Minnesota, I was at a really awesome Academy there. And as a white belt, I was really, really motivated. Um, so I actually kept tallies of how many classes I would do in a year. My goal was a hundred. I ended up getting 170 or like 167 or something. And I earned my blue belt. from that same academy but since then since like 2017 i've been a blue belt since so i've really slowed down my practice um i I injured my shoulder i got cancer no excuses though i just you know kind of covid happened so i just kind of slowed slowed down my practice so i'm like a five six year blue belt um, so I'm really milking that, uh, that blue, this blue belt situation. Some people call it the blue belt blues where people get really excited as a white belt. They want to progress. They get to blue belt and then they kind of fall off. I guess that happened for me. I guess I fell off a little bit. Certainly did. Um, no excuses, but some excuses. And what I've noticed in jujitsu is, Maybe this can be extended to any martial art. It could either... It it both destroys your ego and reinforces ego. Is what I notice. Like, some, some black belts you meet are like literally the nicest people. And they're, they have like a kindness that extends out. It's like a kind of a true humility type of situation. Where (laughs) 
men in particularly, and I'm gonna just jump into some gender, some gender uh, um, stereotypes. Men, especially men that don't train martial arts or don't train fighting, they have they can have such an inflated sense of what they're capable of in a fight. Like most, there, there's just a group of men that think that even though they don't train anything, even though they don't participate in conflict, they may have won some bar fights, uh, which gave them even like a greater sense that they could, that they can just like flex and bust out of shit pretty much like pineapple express. They're just going to go, they're just going to turn it on, uh, turn on their aggression and, uh, and let it fly. And that may work for an untrained opponent. Like that may work for if you know if you have to get in a confrontation or a physical fight with a, um, with someone who, else who doesn't train. Like a, there is a place for aggression and its ability to overcome opponents. But if you deal with if you deal with anyone that's trained and you're not trained at all, you have such a disadvantage such a disadvantage they're going to weather the storm and then they're going to pick you apart and you know depending on the circumstances violently or you know peacefully in a way so so there's men that like that kind of walk around just thinking that if anything happens they're going to be able to take care of it you know just through watching the ufc or jean-claude van damme movies when they were a kid and they, and they think they're going to be able to overcome and what training. So I did three years of Muay Thai in college and now I'm doing five years of jujitsu. And what I can tell you is with that eight years collectively of training, I'm more humble than I was before in the term, in terms of like, I've met so many people. I've lost more than I've won in terms of in terms of fighting, in terms of training, in terms of sparring. I've gotten smashed and choked like today, losing four out of five. And that's not an atypical day, especially if you're training at an academy that has high level practitioners. Like it's not uncommon to lose most of the time. And there can be a humility that comes with that. That's kind of like the ego dissolving humility that can come from that. And, you know, there's, I'm less likely to, I never really got, I've gotten in some bar fights in college. Um, but in terms of confrontations, mostly avoided, you know, mostly avoided them pretty successfully and even dissipated some just through words. Or just through, I guess, even submission, just like chilling out, letting a guy rage if he needed to, weathering the storm and just being like, it's okay. And not like feeding into the fire with fire. Sometimes that'll dissipate a situation. Um, but I'm even less likely now because there, there's just unsuspecting people. Not every killer or every skilled martial art practitioner has like the telltale signs of like cauliflower ear bruises on the face fucked up nose shaved head like there are some unsuspecting guys that just pick me apart and 
you can't really tell what skills people are walking around with in terms of like martial combat. It's just, you just don't know. And, and nor do I really want to find out the hard way. Like I like training because it kind of helps. There is a fieriness in me. There is like an anger or, or something, um, that if I don't have like a release, like, like lifting, um, or like, like grappling, um, it can kind of just be in my head and that's more uncomfortable to me than being physically smashed and kind of getting the fire out and trying to get out and, and trying to win and like playing and competing. Like I'd rather, it seems like a healthier outlet. Um, and I have some fun doing it too. Because what, what I've noticed is that even though jujitsu is explicitly competitive, right? Like you are practicing like fights to the death. You're practicing fighting people to surrender or to the death with your hands. So it's explicitly competitive, like to the most personal degree, more so than like basketball, where like the goal is to put a ball in a hoop more times than the other, the other team. Um, this is like a jujitsu is like a one-on-one fight to the death practice. So personal, so explicitly competitive, but even with this explicit competitive realm, you can make training cooperative. You like, I can, I can go with people that I've trained with like over the years and flow roll, we call it where you're just kind of moving from position to position. Maybe you catch uh, a submission, but you release, it's like catch and release, keep it moving it's very playful. And there's a, I love that shit because it like appeals to like the yogi and the dancer that I like to be sometimes. And it's very playful and plays. It's awesome. So I kind of like, I look at all of these little games and all these like, uh, practices I have as, and kind of, interweave competitiveness and cooperation. I think there's a place for both of them because the competitiveness, it'll also teach you who you are pretty quick. Um, I think for a while I'd, I'd get small for competition, you know, or I'd pretend like I don't care or I would just like practice indifference so that I wouldn't have to go through the pain of trying and losing, um, which is lame because I, there was times I would just like sit on the sidelines of things, even though I genuinely wanted to play and I wouldn't let myself like fully immerse myself into something because I was afraid of losing. And I, and only I knew that I might pretend like I didn't care or that I was too cool, but no, it was the insecurity of losing and uh, not trying because of that. So I like competition. Um, Fuck that Michael Jordan documentary. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit, but competition and, and cooperative and this ego distra- like you'll, you'll talk to some jujitsu practitioners and like jujitsu saved my life. Like there's no one more humble than a, like a jujitsu black belt. Eh. For me personally, jujitsu changed my life. It instilled 
like like I said, I would really shy away from physical com- like conflict. I didn't fully. There's a great line in uh, Green Street Hooligans where, like Elijah Wood, he's basically like, "Yeah, when you learn you're not made of glass, like or like fighting. Like one thing the streets have taught me is that I'm not made of glass, and that I'm more capable than I ever thought I was." And that actually applied to me in jujitsu because I came in kind of submissive, um, not knowing my full power. I kind of came in scared and it alleviated the fear through fire, like through conflict and through realizing like things don't hurt like I thought they did. Sometimes, you know, it still is uncomfortable a lot of times in jujitsu, but I'm able to take it and I'm able to proceed on. And it gave me a strength um, to be confident in situations and to not shy away and like, and to even like kind of rise, rise to certain occasions and kind of claim manliness, I guess, like a sense of manliness. Cause I was kind of almost, uh, not hyper feminine. I don't think anyone would claim it as that, but like just very feminine, you know, especially in groups of men, I would really just kind of be okay being beta and, and that's okay, except that it wasn't really what I wanted to be about. I was like insecure. I watched a uh, um, Caesar, the guy who the the dog guru, and he's like labeling dogs, and he's like, "This one's insecure dominant." And basically, like, I'm like, "Oh shit, that's that could apply to me." like insecure, but wanting to be dominant or still dominant. And, and like, that's kind of like, it's just pretty gross. You know, I'd shy away, even though I wouldn't want to, even though in the back of my head, I'd think I would, you know, I'd think things like, Oh, I can take this guy. That false sense of like confidence that, that a lot of guys who don't, who don't train or don't enter any physical conflict or, or like push themselves physically, they still carry around that they can like physically dominate, um, like others. Like, so it kind of worked, and I'm still working through all this shit. But like that insecure dominance now is more like I'm a little just I'm a little bit more secure, and I crave I crave dominance not even that much, you know. Still. Like I'm not a great competitor in terms of my record. I've, I've competed in four or five tournaments, and I think I'm like 50 percent on wins and losses. Won a couple medals, uh, lost some tournaments. Like I'm not. A, I haven't proven to be like a great competitor, especially in any individual sport. Um. So I'm still not like I'm not dominant. Like the will to win is still kind of, I still, I'm still kind of a dancer and a yogi. And like that cooperative element that I was talking about earlier is still strong in me because I think cooperation lends itself to play a little bit easier. And I crave play more so than winning uh, because of, I don't know how I've grown up or uh, how I've adopted like certain spiritual beliefs. So, in a way, like my thesis basically is martial arts, it can destroy your ego or exacerbate it. I think Alan Watts says the favorite ego's favorite game 
is pretending to destroy itself or destruction of the ego is ego's favorite game uh, because it's still egocentric. It's still me, me, me. Like, what can I do? What is mine? What is ter- like territory? And now like with these new set of skills, like you're giving, so in jujitsu, you're giving someone skills to be able to physically apprehend another person, even though they have physical disadvantages. So a smaller person can use leverage and technique to overcome a larger opponent um, in hand-to-hand combat. And so those tools, they don't necessarily destroy the ego. There is a humility that comes with being grinded down and beat and pretty much beat up and, and like learning how to lose and, and then learning how to overcome and win. Um, but it, it, to me, it can do the exact opposite thing. It could really exacerbate it. And yeah, one of my professors, shout out to Vienna Brothers in Chicago, great academy. It's shut down from co- for COVID stuff right now, but like a pretty solid, real solid community. Um, it was kind of during my blue belt blues phase. So, and like, in my, the whole like being sick and stuff. And I didn't really show up for the academy um, as much as I did my previous academies. So I never really kind of developed tight-knit bonds with these guys, but uh, I liked them nonetheless, and they're it's good jiu-jitsu. Aaron Brooks is like, he's one of those guys, like 150, 160 pounds, but he just like can pick me apart any day of the week. <laughs> just so good at jiu-jitsu, so much technique. Um, yeah, just smart, jiu-jitsu smart. And uh, he posted something about like a black belt who takes, you know, is t- taking advantage of their students. Um, and, and like you wouldn't associate a, a humble guy who knows himself and knows respect as someone who takes advantage of like teenagers or young women, young men. Um, so it's not like a cure-all jujitsu doesn't just because you're a jujitsu black belt and you've been through the ringer doesn't mean you came out the other end with more humility and more humbleness. I think it can happen. Um, certainly, but it's, you know, it's not a direct positive correlation. That's my point. And maybe that's obvious, you know, jujitsu saves lives. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe it makes monsters out of men. I think if you're going to go extreme on one way, you're like automatically include the opposite extreme of something. That's why I like, I try not to get too high on, uh, on joy or accomplishments or anything. It's like as high as I get on this is as low as I have the potential to get to. Not saying like, like gratitude's still important and like being thankful for things, but there's a difference between being grateful and then like getting high off of things that are inevitably fleeting, like, vic- you know, like victories in sports matches or anything like Derek Rose is like one of my favorite athletes, um, even though he's been through a bunch of like injuries and stuff because like, and it could be a persona, it could be a front, but I like that he would make game winners and then like just kind of 
that's you know that's it Kawhi Leonard you know emotionless um like not over like celebratory um guys because I guess it's more zen and that that appeals to me zen philosophy of like the middle way you know everything's there's a binary nature to the reality that I'm in we're in and um like you can't have an inside without an outside yin yang type of type of stuff so i think insecurity goes with superiority inferiority and superiority they go together so someone who is appearing to be superior at all times like there is a direct correlation to the inferiority that they feel like new money someone who's like come from like real like a poor there's like this archetype like someone who comes into wealth who's always been poor they tend to flaunt it because they still maybe are carrying around the inferiority of being poor something like that there's just this correlation that i i noticed kind of early on and I would be more having more of an inferiority complex. That's how I thought I perceived it. But really, it was bound to the superiority that I would secretly feel. So I would like, I would project this inferior, like inferior submissive kind of beta guy. Uh, but on the inside, feel the opposite. And of course, there was tension in the outside world. There was tension in my relationships, particularly with those who would trigger um, the inferiority superiority complex, which would be men. So I, you know, it's been a struggle to closely connect, um, with men during like late high school, early college, particularly when I was really like trying to figure this all out. Um, and yet not being able to articulate it or not being able to like truly understand it. And this is a good time as any for this reminder, but like there is a difference between understanding something and knowing something like knowing something like speaking. It is kind of like knowing it, knowing how to say something, but there is an understanding element that it's like it, it can be, then it can be acted upon or it is acted upon often. And the difference between knowing and understanding, like I, I know I learned a lot of things, but like early on, but it was, it took me some time to understand it and therefore like enact on it. Knowing and understanding. I, yeah, I wanted to, I almost want to say that every TikTok video I make, cause it's just such a important little note that I can speak this, I can say things that people that resonate with people. And that's only a sign that I'm knowing it. But until you like kind of see meet me and, and like have interactions with me day to day, then you can maybe see that there are some things I understand that I'm saying. And there's still some things that I'm learning, even though I know how to say it. Yeah. 
that whole superiority inferiority thing dominance submission there's a, there's a philosophical question that's been on my mind for now a couple weeks months i haven't approached like a clear cut even knowing of it but is the preparation for war an act of war in and of itself so is like is like building a huge military is it like building atomic bombs I mean we drop them i mean in that case yes the answer is yes and i don't want to look at it like necessarily case by case maybe macro and micro so it's like is the is the country putting all this money into a military like building walls and 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 securing what's ours talk about ego is like ego is all about what's mine it's all about protecting what you believe is yours and uh you know, what is yours? I, I, the argument is anything that is ultimately going to go away. Can I, can it be said that it's mine? You know, body, etc. health, land, people. Like some of these, like the obvious the answer is no. And yet like actions still, still disagree. Because there is things worth protecting and like, and the ego is not all bad. Like there's a, there's a real reason that we developed this, this sense of self-preservation, um, called the ego. Cause it's a really useful tool. It's a really useful tool for, you know, surviving and earning and, and, and all the things mostly surviving yeah the favorite game of the ego is to try to destroy the ego okay so i'm going to go into answering some comments from tiktok um i don't have a plan on which video and I'm going to try to find one that has some decent comments on it. I'm going to go into things I wish I knew before I was 30, part 16. And what's this one about? Okay. If you want to see it, go ahead and find it on my TikTok page. It is a public page. You can download and share with whomever you wish. I'm just going to scroll through some of these things. Uh, I'm not going to get to them all. If you want to check out all the comments, you know where to find them. And uh, I didn't plan these out in the head, so uh, here we go. So people are nice, you know, and I really, really appreciate that. Let's see. Some of the best lessons learned come from some of our worst situations or experiences. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Not a question, but Gary Hill Jr., I do appreciate that. Oh, and and he goes on. Even when it hurts often, especially when it hurts, there's always a lesson to be learned. Find it and turn the perceived negative into a positive. Look, man, you're hitting, you're hitting home with me. There was a, okay. So I went through this cancer thing. You get diagnosed, the the cancer, the cancer thing is you get diagnosed 
and and that's a whole thing. And then there's before treatment, and then you start treatment, and that's a whole thing. And then there's post-treatment and remission, and that's a whole thing. There were times, there were legitimate days that I'd be, you know, uncomfortable, we'll call it, suffering my, you know, uncomfortable for sure, though. And there was in that suffering or in that dark place where all I can do is focus on myself, so self-absorbed because all I can really do is feel the discomfort in my body, pain. It allowed me, that like deep selfishness allowed me to be kind to others in a way. Like, because I had to like nurture and like almost baby myself, there was really nothing I can do besides just kind of feel this discomfort, suffering, misery that I was able to like be like just super patient with other people, almost not have the energy for like any confrontation. And in that way, there were some days where like the relationships that I would have with people, with my, my parents, with my girlfriend were just so beautiful that I would even say like, cancer is the best thing that happened to me. And I'm getting a little bit of goosebumps right now because I might not even be sharing ready to have started sharing this podcast to sharing how I feel without the, without cancer, without the knock on the door without death knocking at my door saying, yo, I mean, you don't use it, you lose it, referring to life. And uh, yeah, there, there's just some days where I was like, cancer's the best thing that's happened to me. And, and I hope I re- can remember the lessons of like grace, kindness, <sighs> patience uh, for others. And um encouragement to just like to actually live because some days it's just easy to like chill to sleep to kind of give in to to death or depression um but it's but cancer and like imminent mortality uh you know gives that that little boost a little booster pack in life where i'll wake up with a little anxiety like i'll wake up like scared like of of getting sick i want to stay healthy and that fear i can just kind of sit and feel into it which is probably good sometimes but it also will get me out of bed and i'll start doing some shit stretching breathing taking care of myself like um all the good things so yeah i couldn't agree more i mean i've written uh when i went through a poetry phase i i writ, wrote some um, some poems and like one of them was like uh, no I can't do that because I can't remember it but I'm going to try um, a guy it's a story and like a, a being finds a light in the most unlikely uh, dark like caves and he brings the light out to share with others but he didn't realize that the brightness of the light depended on the darkness of the cave So yes, 
And I like that. Thanks, Gary Hill Jr. Real solid, man. I wish I saw this before I learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, oh, here, I'm a Theric. Chelsea bot. Chelsea Blythe. I'm a therapeutic caseworker and this is spot on. That's just nice to have a little bit of validation from a professional and just a friendly reminder. I'm not a professional. I'm a guy that's going through this life, um, you know, been in sickness and in health, have traveled, have lost people, um, and I have stuff to share and uh, I hope to be able to do that. So that's really nice. How about this? Bad Gal Brew Brew. Bad Gal Brew Brew said, what if someone's asking for help? And this video is about how overhelping can actually be harmful. The the tagline is the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And this is like real evident with like the mask police um, today. But, but really it's, it's even before that, like um, mansplaining is like a meme to describe this to like kind of package this whole message that I, that I, I put out there like overhelping is, is a problem. It's more, it's just as harmful as, as well, I don't know. I don't want to compare it. It's just, it just can be helpful. Anyone watching this can point at a time where they were kind of denied um, the struggle for a, for like kind of immediate gratification only to find out that they had to face that same struggle down the line and they, and they were less equipped to do so. So what if someone's asking for help, bad girl, brew, brew, that's different. In fact, it's almost like I'm trying to learn how to wait until someone asks for help and until I give it. And that's ironic coming from someone who releases videos about, uh, you know, things I wish I knew in an attempt to help younger people kind of get through this, this, you know, get through their life, uh, with a healthy mindset or with a sense of freedom. But I enjoy making these videos too. I enjoy doing this. This feels, this feels good for me. Um, so that's my justification for it. But yes, if someone asks for help, like, yeah, heck yeah, here we go. Asking for help is hard. Asking for help can be very difficult It's for me and for men. If I can go in on on these generalizations a little bit more, like asking for help isn't easy. And yes, there are some times where you're intuitively feeling that someone may need your help and you give it to them and it's perfect. And it's the perfect thing because they weren't able to ask for it and you were still able to help them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that there are times I just know people who are always trying to help because they're always trying to fix things outside because there's like an internal disorder. And that's what I'm trying to point at with this video. I'm only given a minute on these TikToks and that's what the podcast is for. So I can, so I can better explain this. What if someone's asking for help, then help them. That's awesome. Anyone remember Madagascar doomed us all to heck. I think that's an animated film. I don't know. I'm not Torito. 
wrote, my boyfriend just left me and took our dog. He said he just wasn't happy and I'm struggling so hard with this. Yeah. Loss of relationships is one of the hardest parts of this life, if not the most hard, like most difficult parts of this whole human experience. I don't have anything for you other than we're going, you know, everyone experiences this. Everyone experiences loss at some point. And there are tons of resources that you can, you can find of, uh, you know, that help you get through it. Uh, find a community, find people that you actually trust that are still in your life and see if you can talk to them and, and see if they're kind of spiraling you down maybe agreeing, maybe you have some anger towards your ex-boyfriend and you're like, yeah, he's a jerk. And they're like, yeah, he's a jerk. That might not be helpful. Maybe someone that can just kind of absorb your feelings. Therapy. How about therapy? I was just so new to therapy myself. Post-cancer, my treatment included eight therapy sessions, spoken therapy sessions. And I'm taking advantage of that. Um, so it's been kind of cool. It's been kind of helpful. Um, yeah, I like the guy that they paired me with. It's been some solid combos and I can see how that would help if, especially if I was going through a particularly like a particular time of mental anguish, which sometimes I still am. I got some like PTSD from this whole, uh, getting sick and then getting better thing. Um, but not too acute, you know, it's kind of like, just sometimes it, it comes up and it's just nice to have someone to bounce ideas with. So I'm sorry. I'm not Torito, um, that that situation happened. And yet, um, loss is certainly a part of this life and, uh, you know, learning how to accept, um, and move forward is, is the best option. There's a book to tie this, tie this into what we we're talking about earlier. There's a book, there's a guy Eckhart Tolle. He's kind of out there. He's kind of super spiritual, but he writes a book called the new earth and it pretty much identifies the ego as it comes up in my head, in my speech, um, like ways to be aware of ego because through awareness, then you can, you know, then a change can happen. There's a part of the book where he talks about the three levels are the three places that you should uh, try to practice to be. And the lowest place that you can be, the lowest level for like a healthy state of mind is acceptance. Not that you should deny all the stages of grief. You should still maybe do those as much as you need to. But as soon as you can get to acceptance, that's a good place to be. Um, and this helps me with my, with anxiety too, because if I'm anxious about something, sometimes I'll play the worst possible scenario in my mind. And if I can accept the worst possible scenario in my mind, then I can move forward with a little bit less anxiety. If I'm not, then maybe I have to reevaluate, uh, if it's the right thing to do. 
So acceptance being your baseline as close, as soon as you can get to acceptance, then you can like move forward in a healthy way. And then the next two levels are enjoyment um, and enthusiasm and enthusiasm like translates to like with divinity or in God. So it's like um, if, if you can get to being enthusiastic about the things that you're doing at the time in the present, uh, yeah, power to you. You got it. You got it going on. Hope that helps. I'm not Torito. Um, yeah, sorry. Let's see. Thank you for all these. Are you just over 30 or late 30s? I'm 31. Everything all right at home. So people, you know, people reach out like, who hurt you? Is everything all right? And uh, I'll just respond to them like, you know, I hurt me. You know, it's mostly self-inflicted or me, myself and I. And it's like, um, do you really care? When you're asking me, is everything all right? Or are you just kind of trying to disqualify um, what I'm trying to say or disqualify my feelings um, by saying that I'm going through some shit? I'm, of course I'm going through some shit. I'm an adult man in this world in 2020. And uh, yeah, sickness and I have relationships um, just got you know, don't have to say it again, but yes, yes. And no, no. I mean, look, there's a reason I want to make these videos. And part of that is enjoyment. And part of that is to find my voice and to understand as well, because I'm kind of learning by speaking. Um, is everything all right at home? Yeah. I really couldn't ask for a better home situation. Um, my relationships are doing really well. Um, especially those closest to me. And um, maybe I shouldn't assume that you're trying to put me down by asking. Maybe you are genuinely concerned. And to that, I say thank you. And um, Rocky Medit 101. Uh, yes, everything's all right, bro. Thank you. And then people say nice things. And then people say not nice things. So I made a I made a quote in at the end of the video, and it said uh, Shakespeare said um, to love people, warts and all, basically to accept the flaws in others, and that's true love. And uh, Nikki Bobby said, "Was it Shakespeare?" And to that I say, I don't know, and I'm sorry for saying it was Shakespeare, especially if it wasn't. But I was given information that it was Shakespeare, and then I just transmitted it without without uh, due diligence. So, yes and no. And uh, maybe I'll look that up. Are you Kevin Love? No, I'm not Kevin Love. All right, let's see what this one says. Didn't read it yet. So, knew this girl in college who kept trying to mother a freshman. He never passed his classes because she would help him. He dropped out sophomore year. Yeah, so I guess that's like kind of reiterating the point of the video is like um, enabling would be a form of overhelping, right? Um, addicts in my family or in my in my life, um, there is a certain point where a boundary is the best thing you can give a person. Like, 
you kind of have to let them survive, you know, to swim or drown in their own, in their, in their mind, in their mental, in their addiction. And, uh, it could be tough, especially if you really care for the person. Um, but usually like the addicts in my life were, were, were taking more than they were giving and putting up a boundary, even though it might've been difficult at the time, uh, significantly like helped my life and like took a little weight off of it. Bro, what the fuck? Let us save your videos. LOL. I do. I don't know what that is. I get those sometimes. Um, I have uh, downloading videos as public, so you can do that. Let's see if I can say this name. Masoud Mohammadi. Oh, that's not right. Masoud Mohammadi. Mohammadi. Masoud Mohammadi. Damn it. Masoud Mohammadi said, "Parents that do everything for the child and doesn't let them do it themselves clearly doesn't know this." Yeah, parents, it's got to be the hardest for parents because parents don't want to see their children struggle, especially if they don't, if they don't have to, but a lot of times or sometimes they're denying their child growth through denying their struggle. And I had parents, I have parents but I, my parents were particularly giving and, um, and in a ways they delayed my growth process. They delayed my learning process, um, kept me in a form of, uh, like naivete, uh, because they gave so much and it's appreciated now, but there was resentment actually for all they gave it. They gave to me in my earlier, my early twenties and then that late high school kind of phase. Like there was a genuine resentment. It was not founded or grounded in any, in any sort of reality, but the resentment was there nonetheless. And I would rebel, you know, traveling and and leaving the country for years. Um, even though my parents wanted me to stay type of thing, like really trying to claim myself, my self-worth. And, uh, Every man must kill their father. Every man must kill their father. Not literally, but what that means is to be your own authority, you're going to have to overcome the authority in your life. A priest must kill their God. To, And not just a priest. A person must kill their concept of God so that they may feel the divinity within themselves. Like this is, maybe I'll make a video on that one. I kind of like that one. Pinchitan, Pinchitan. My therapist is always telling me I shouldn't fix my sibling's life. It's not my struggle and not my freaking business. You can offer love and support. Yeah. Which is, oh, which is better. Um, Maybe going back to uh, that previous comment, maybe asking or i'm sorry maybe if they waiting until they're until they ask and they may never ask and there might be sometimes where 
Maybe you can ask, hey, do you need a hand? And if they say no, then don't help, you know? Then you don't just ask and do it anyway. Um, ask and then give them the respect that you believe what they're saying. So no, no, no meaning no, you know? Uh, and love and support, yeah, that can be from a distance. Uh, you can do little things without the expectation of anything in return. Whatever your love language is, maybe you give some gifts, maybe you just hang out with them as a peer. Um, they might not need you as a parent, or they might. But having that conversation, maybe asking uh, asking or waiting to be asked uh, for help. And... Yeah, just more positive comments. Um, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the tags and the shares. So that's our TikTok comments. So what do we talk about today? Talked a little bit about jujitsu, my the jujitsu journey, about ego inflating and destruction of ego, which is kind of tied to its inflation how opposites kind of go together in this binary world we live in lots of cool stuff maybe you got there's some good some gold nuggets in there uh, i really hope you enjoyed this episode i hope that the people who commented that i got to shout out um uh, get to see this get to have their uh questions or comments acknowledged answered and I look forward to this next one. Be well, everyone. Power to the people.